already ran into that one, so I'm going to move that aside. Hashem, we thank you for your presence here today. Again, I thank you that you are the Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. God, that your presence is here to move, to work in healings, miracles, signs and wonders, God, and we receive that. And we thank you that you have a word to speak to us. And I pray that uh, I would speak under your anointing and that, Yeshua, you would be high and lifted up uh, in this place today. And I just thank you in your precious name. So we are in this series on growing as Talmudim. So today is part four, and next week we will, uh, Rabbi Michael will conclude uh, that series. So join me in this prayer uh, together. Avinu Malkenu together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. So the past month we've been looking at these characteristics of true disciples or Talmudim of Yeshua and examining these qualities because we live in a society where spiritual truths have often been watered down. And the reality is we want to follow Yeshua in our everyday lives, accurately reflecting him and his word to a, uh, uh, to a lost and dying world. We fall asleep with the people speaking, men of God, or wake up, to, I woke up in the middle of the night, and you know we've been doing fasting this year, and in particular, fasting for family members, and I'm going to talk about this, but it just came to mind now, you know, I want to accurately reflect Yeshua to a lost and dying world because Yeshua is coming soon. And that lost and dying world needs to know him. So becoming a true Talmud of Yeshua so that I can accurately reflect him so that others can have that joy of knowing him is very, very important. So because we want to impact this generation with the truth of the good news, that can only be done if we are committed to walking as his Talmudim in word, in thought, and indeed. So let's just quickly go over the uh, eight characteristics that we've already covered, and you can fill in your blanks here on your sheet. A Talmud is a learner. I'm going to say this again. You and I don't know everything. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't know everything. And if that was your spouse, that was a sweet moment. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) I saw that, Tizzy. <laughs> Friends, we don't know everything. I don't care how long in the Lord you have been. You know, I'm, I'm one who's been probably one of the longest here. I came to faith at six years old. I just turned 60. Okay, so that's 54 years. Guys, I don't know everything about God and the kingdom. So we all can learn more of him. The second thing was that a Talmud grows to maturity. It's not just say a prayer and you're done. Oh, I prayed a prayer one day. I received Yeshua into my heart. Great. What's happened since then? So a Talmud is one who's growing to maturity. A Talmud has a burden to bear. It's not about me or my desires. It's his purposes. There's a song that we sing. It's not about me as if you should do things my way. But it's about you, God. Your way, your purposes, your kingdom. A Talmud also loves Yeshua above all else. This is the greatest commandment, right? 
When Yeshua was approached by the Talmudim, I mean by the Pharisees, and what's the greatest command? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. So true Talmud loves God with everything. He is numero uno. He's echad, the first place. Then a Talmud loves others, which was the second command, greatest command, right? Yeshua went on. They didn't ask him for this, but he gave it to them free of charge. The second greatest command is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're true Talmudim, true followers of Yeshua, we're going to love other people. And even as my son shared in his Devar Torah, even when people annoy us. Anyone annoyed this week by anyone? We all smile. Yeah, we had a few annoyances, right? Even those people who annoy us, as a true follower of Yeshua, we're going to love. Then we talked about how a Talmudim, Talmud reproduces. And in that message, we talked about go, make, and teach disciples. And it starts with inviting people. And wasn't it great at our Hanukkah celebration last Sunday? Did you see how full that place was? That's because we all invited people. And that's how it should be here on the Shabbat. I know we have, again, a lot of people missing today because of family travels and things like this. But we should really invite people. Like we saw there on Sunday, that building was crammed full. It should be that way every Saturday, every Wednesday, every event we have, as because we are reproducing, we're inviting people. Connected to that is the Talmud goes after the lost. Yeshua said about himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That should be our heart's desire. As I said, I turned 60 on Monday, and... Uh, It was a beautiful day. My husband took me out for breakfast, had a wonderful, relaxing day, dinner. He made chocolate cake, delicious, ready to go. But my siblings, I have five siblings, they sent me a a little care package, right? And uh, emphasizing that I turned 60. I know that was my sister Peggy, so Peggy, if you're listening to the podcast, she's turning 60 next year. She's a year behind me. So, But one of the things they put in there were 60 reasons we love our sister Carol, right? So they each wrote 12, and I've been taking them out one a day. I took three out that day, but I'm taking out one a day. But my little brother Ralph wrote this on one of them. He said, I love my sister Carol because she helped me find my way back to Yeshua. Friends, that's the heart that we should have for the lost. And I said, as I read it, I said, my prayer is that many of my family members would say the same thing. I love my sister. I love my aunt because she led me back to Yeshua. We have to have that same heart that he had to seek and to save the lost. That's where the true Talmud does. And then Rabbi Michael ended with this one last week. Well, before we do that, you know, we wrote down three names. Not everyone gave me three names, and that's okay, no condemnation. But I'm going to still encourage you to do that. So when we were writing on the vision, we wrote down three names of people we are praying for. I want to challenge you once again in that area. Every single one of us should be a soul winner. Every single one of us should have someone like my little brother saying, I'm so glad you helped me find my way to Yeshua. So I want you to think of one person out of those three that you wrote down or you didn't write down yet, local people, that you're going to believe to come to faith in 2018 because of you 
in their life. Think about that. One person. That's all that we all have to believe for. And that person to be sitting beside you, growing in faith. And right now, I want you to turn to the person beside you, and I want you to pray for that person. Okay? So, it means I should hear you. So, you're going to turn and pray with someone beside you for that one person to come to faith. So, let's do that. Just a minute here. God, I thank you for all of these people who you put on our hearts. People who are in darkness, God. People who don't know you, Lord. And we pray for these people to come to faith in 2018. God, you put them on our hearts. There, You burdened us with them, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to reach out, to continue to grow relationships with these people. And God, that we would have the joy. God, as I had the joy of influencing my brother to help him come back to you. God, that we would all have the joy of leading someone to know you as their Messiah and as their Savior and growing as a disciple here in Beth Emmanuel. So I lift up all the those names, Lord, that are being spoken by the people in the congregation right now. And I thank you for salvation, salvation and disciples being birthed in the kingdom through us in Yeshua's name. Amen. And then Rabbi Michael ended his message last week talking about how a disciple, a true Talmud is fruitful, that we need to have the good soil so that the seed of God's word goes down deep and produces fruit for the kingdom of God. And whenever I read the passage of the sower, I pray for, it says 30, 60, 100. I like 100. I'm just saying, there might be, but I pray for 100 fold fruit in my life as a result of the word of God. So we want to have good soil so we can be fruitful. So today we're going to talk about two more of these characteristics. So number nine, because we're going to be going through 12 in this sermon series, not that there's not more, obviously we could preach on this forever, but these are 12 to get us going. A Talmud is generous. And I know, you know, some people get a little nervous when we talk about giving, and that's okay. You can talk it up, take it up with God, because I'm not bothered by it. But the true Talmud is generous. It's, you can't get around it, right? And, um, when we look at what the scriptures say, they talk about being generous in giving to God. Yes, in our finances, as well as our time and our talents, our emotions, our strength. Look at Galatians 6.6. 6. It says, one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. And in Mishle 11.24-25, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Pause. Another withholds what he should give. You see that? Should give. And only suffers want. Pause. Say laha. See, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and who the one who waters himself will be watered. See, true Talmudim have this kingdom per- perspective on finances and possessions, and they're generous because they are like their father and his Messiah, and, you know, remember earlier in our series, we spoke about being like Messiah. And think of the generous nature of God towards sinful man. That while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love and given his one and only son the very best that he had to give. And that will help us to understand how we should be givers like he is a giver. In the story of the rich young ruler who came to Yeshua and said... You know, what should I do, uh, you know, good master, good rabbi, and, you know, to be a true Talmud? And, 
You know, Yeshua said about the commandments, or I've kept all of those. And Yeshua said one thing, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And what did that man do? He walked away. Because he couldn't do that one thing that God asked him. That one thing, to be generous. He just couldn't do it. And he walked away. God calls us as his Talmudim to be generous. First Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous. Say that with me. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And I want to encourage us. It's not just the rich that need to be generous. So we can read this passage and say, oh, I'm not rich. <laughs> that leaves me off the hook. No, 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 no. We are all called to be generous. Often we look at people and we observe people, even in the congregation or in life, and we look and say, oh, that person has more money, so they can obviously give more to the congregation or give to charities and things that I can't give because I'm not rich. Friends, generosity, again, is not just for the rich. Think of the woman who came to the temple one day and she had one mite to give. And Yeshua commented about that woman that she gave more than anyone else that day who came to the temple because she gave out of all that she had. She was a generous giver, even though she didn't have as much as the rich men who came and put in thousands of mites that day. So God calls all of us, rich, poor, in between, to be generous if we're going to be true followers of his. Once again, the scripture from Michelet 11.24, a different translation. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You see, generosity, one writer said, is impossible apart from our love of God and of his people. But with love, generosity not only is possible, but it's inevitable. Friends, I don't know about you, but I have experienced the love of God being lavished out in my life. As I said, it's 54 years that I have known him. His love has been lavished on me. Because of that love, how can I not give back to him? Because he loves me so much. Now, I can look and and compare my life with others, and I can say, I don't have as much as this person or that person, and, and I wish that this would. But the reality is God has lavished upon me his love. As we say at Passover time, if he had never did anything else but love me, Dayenu. Would it be enough? But he does more. And, and as I shared earlier in the prayer time, because he loves us, he wants to give good gifts. See, a true Talmud is generous because he understands that his life, his possessions, and his entire being is not his own. He realizes that it's been bought with a price and that he now belongs to the Son of God and is at his disposal. Even the little story that Evan told when you know, taking up the offering about the father who buys the Happy Meal for his son. You can tell where he takes Jeremiah for lunch, right? Right? 
And, you know, for a child, and we all have that. I mean, my children don't, even at their age, don't always like to share <laughs> even one French fry from the plate. But the reality is, God gives freely. He purchased, and not to be able to give back to him. See, that's what happens when we're, we are not being generous. We're saying, God, I'm not going to give anything back to you. I know you've given this all to me. And friends, everything you have is from God. It's not because you're so smart and you're so you know, wise and you're the best salesman or you're the best whatever your occupation is. It's because God gave you the ability to work and to, to bring that in. Another writer said that the most obvious lesson in Messiah's teaching is that there is no happiness in having or giving anything, but only in giving. True happiness comes in being a giving. I just want to share an example before we go on to the next point. Eugene Peterson, who uh, worked on the message translation of the Bible, wrote a book called Run With Horses, and he talks about how he saw some birds teaching their young to fly. And there were these uh, three young swallows, uh, swallows that were perched on a dead branch that uh, arched over a lake. And there was an adult alongside the chicks who started to, you know, uh, shove them out towards the end of the branch. And we can all get the picture, you know, pushing them, you know, until one by, you know, getting them to the end so that they would fall off. So, and somewhere between falling and the water below, the little birds would start to flap their wings and... Uh, take off. So he did it to the first one, and the bird started to flap his wings and to fly. He did it to the second one. But the third one was a little resistant to the uh, the mama bird. And at the last possible moment, when his grip on the branch loosened just enough so that he was ready to swing downward, he tightened on again. And he was being tenacious. He was not going to let go. So the parent pecked, you know, desperately, you know, uh, at the little bird trying to get its, you know, grip to be uh, lessened so that he would fall off the branch and learn to fly. But that little uh, bird was just hanging on as tight, as tight as possible. But finally, the parent got him to release it even though it was painful because she had to peck, 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 peck until he finally let go. And what happened when he let go? His wings began to pump just like the other two. And voila, he was flying because he was designed to fly. And Peterson writes this in his book. He said, birds have feet and they can walk. Birds have talons and they can grip a brand securely. They can walk, they can clean, but flying is their characteristic action, and not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully gliding through the air. He goes on to say that giving is what we do best. It is the air into which we were born. It is the action that was designed in us before our birth. Some people, he said, try desperately to hold on to themselves, to live for self, They look so bedraggled and pathetic, hanging on to that dead branch of selfishness and self-centeredness, afraid to risk themselves on the natural wings of giving. Yet many people don't think they can give generously because they've never, ever tried. 
He says in his book, we were created to live generously by giving generously of our time, talents, and finances. We were meant to soar. That's where the Talmud is, is a generous giver in every area. And he likened it to, to example of two men. One was Howard Hughes, who we know was a uh, man who uh, acquired much, much wealth. And as he grew older, uh, he became more and more recluse and close-fisted. He was a very stingy man, not sharing that wealth with others. And uh, that wealth created a barrier between him and others, in fact. So he finally died, hopeless, recluse, not having relationships with people. In comparison, uh, there's a man named George Mueller who lived uh, in the 1800s. And if you've never read anything about him, I would encourage you to pick up a biography about him. But he was a man who had wealth given to him. But he was one who gave that wealth away. And I remember reading about him when I was younger because he started an orphanage in London. And um, he had to believe for God to bring in to the needs of that, that, that orphanage. There would be times when they were sitting down to eat at the table and there was no food. And the orphans were like, what are we going to eat? You know, God will supply. And knock, knock, knock at the door. And there was food for, for dinner. So this man sowed his life into these orphans and, and believing God for the financial uh, belief to come in. For the last 68 years of his ministry, he never took a salary at all, but trusted God because he had an orphanage. And then he preached at a congregation. He was a pastor of the congregation. So he was a man of faith and gave generously. And at his death... You can read the story of it, how thousands were there to uh, give honor to this man who had been so generous that their lives had been impacted and touched by his generosity. So God wants us as true disciples to be generous in giving in every area of our life. And then finally today, I want to talk about the tenth thing, and that is a Talmud is a servant. Yeshua says in Matthew 20, 26 through 28, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the context of Yeshua sharing this verse is after Yochanan and their brother, his brother Yaakov, Along with their mom, they got their mom involved in this. Good Jewish boys there. Let's get mama to go talk to Yeshua. And uh, she came to, the, to Yeshua, and they asked, Yeshua, can we sit on the two thrones, one on the right and one on the left hand? So, and uh, Yeshua says, you know, I, this is not for me to decide. Now, the other disciples heard this, and they got upset. Personally, I think they were upset because they wanted to sit on the right and the left. And that Yeshua understood that motive of their heart. And so he says, okay, guys, you know, whoever's going to sit on the right and left, I don't know. But let me teach you something from this. Okay. We're not to be lording it over, but we're to be servants. The greatest in the kingdom of God is one who will be a servant. 
See, part of the, the people that we often think of as important in the kingdom of God may not be as important as we, we imagine. It is the servant of all that gets the gold in God's economy, that gets the promotion in God's economy. And when I was reflecting on it, you know, servanthood is a reversal in ideology to the norms of our society today that tells us we must be successful and that success, the pathway to success is to gain power, position, title, wealth. And if we do that, then we, we are making it. But Yeshua says that's not how kingdom works. Kingdom work, uh, works, the kingdom of God works in a different way. It's not about who has the most titles or, you know, who's out front the most. It is about the one who serves the most. And so a writer says that in kingdom, in the kingdom over which Adonai reigns, greatness is obtained by pursuing a course of action, which is the exact opposite of that which is followed in the unbelieving world. This writer said greatness consists in self-giving, in the outpouring of self, and service to others for the glory of God. Look with me at a couple of scriptures here. Galatians 6.10. We're told, therefore, as the opportunity arises, let us do what is good to everyone, and especially to the family of those who are trusting faithful. And Kepha Aleph, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received some spiritual gift, he should use it to serve others. Say that with me. Serve others. Like good managers of God's many-sided grace. So as I was working on this part, I just came up with an acronym to help us understand what it means to serve. So you can write, fill in your blanks here. So S, a, a servant, one who serves, supports others. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. In this way, you will be fulfilling the Torah's true meaning, which the Messiah upholds. And then Philippians 2.4 says, look out for each other's interests, not just your own. So as if I'm going to serve, I'm going to be one who supports others. I'm going to think about the needs of other people. E, if I'm going to serve, I'm going to be eager to do good or emulate Yeshua. Either of those go there. Mishlei Proverbs 31.13, it's talking here about the virtuous woman, but these principles apply whether you're male or female. It says she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. And then in Kepha Aleph, chapter 5, verse 2, here it's talking about uh, a leader in the congregation. But again, the principle applies to all of us. Be shepherd of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Can we say that together? Eager to serve. So if we are true Talmud, deem of Yeshua, we are going to be those who serve. And if we're going to be those who serve, we're going to support others. We're going to be eager to do good. Or we're going to be ready at any moment. Now, my father was a rural ranger man growing up, and I helped him a lot. He was the district commander of the Northern Missouri District Rural Rangers. And the rural ranger model is ready, ready for anything, ready to work, play, serve, obey, etc. Okay, so I learned that as a little kid. So a servant of God is someone who's going to be ready. Ready at any moment when God calls. Ready to do whatever he asks us to do. It says in 2 Timothy 4.2, be ready in season and out of season. 
So there are certain times where you know, okay, it's, you know, it's service day, so I gotta be ready, you know, in case the rabbi needs me. What about on Monday or Tuesday when it's not service day? And the rabbi calls. Or when the leadership call. Well, I'm not expecting to do anything because it's not Shabbat. See, but a servant is ready in season and out of season, right? <clears throat> Serving, V, volunteers, your time and effort. Titus 3.14, and have our people learn to apply themselves to doing good deeds that meet genuine needs so that they will not be unproductive. And then our final E, embraces new opportunities. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise men, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So if we're going to be those who serve, we're going to embrace new opportunities to serve God and to serve fellow man. And there are many ways we can serve. And I have an assignment for you at the bottom of that page. There are three ways that I'm going to give you to serve this morning. And if you're listening on the podcast, you take this down as well. Grab a sheet of paper. Because uh, we want to apply the word of God in our lives. As true Talmudim, each of us should be serving every day of our lives. We should look for opportunities to serve. And I'm going to tell you it begins in our homes. Think about what a difference it would be if we each sought to serve one another in our families. As we mentioned already in this series, these qualities are not just automatic. In other words, we have to be intentional. So now we can sit here and think, yeah, it would be great if my husband starts serving me. Duh, right? Or my children or whatever. But it's on all of us. And if we each have that attitude that I'm going to intentionally serve my spouse, my family, my children, my neighbors, my coworkers, what a difference the atmosphere would be in our homes, at our workplace, right, in our community, in our neighborhoods. So we all have opportunities to, uh, to serve, but we have to be intentional. Can you say that word with me? Intentional. That means you have to on purpose decide to do it just in case you're wondering, okay? So the first part of your assignment is to write down one person in your family or at work or in your neighborhood that you are going to serve this week by doing an act of kindness. One person. One person in your family or at work or in your neighborhood that you can intentionally serve this week. And no, you're not going to turn these in to me, but I'm just going to tell you, God's watching. Just saying, God's watching. And you know how your parents always know everything? Right? I was talking this with the youth, the, the kids downstairs, I was taught downstairs last week. I don't know how my dad knew everything, but it's like, how did he find that out? We were hiding that, you know, from, okay. God knows everything. That was a point of our lesson last week. We can't hide anything from him. So write that name down and do good to them this week, serve. The second part is about serving here at Beth Emanuel. 
And the first way I want to encourage you to, uh, to serve is to continue what we talked about with that vision statement. What happened? Oh. And that is to invite people to Beth Emanuel events, right? To, there's Chavaru groups this Wednesday. Our January Bagel Oneg will have cards out next week. But to continue to invite people. We talked about growing to 200 strong Talmudim. And now you know what it, we're talking about when we say Talmudim. Not just people sitting in the seat, but people who are truly following Yeshua. It's not going to happen if we don't all do our part in serving. So you're going to continue to invite people to the congregation, congregational events. As we all said, it was awesome last Sunday at our Hanukkah party to see all of those people come that we had invited. And the, the, and I'm going to tell you that this is probably one of the most important steps to, to our serving, uh, because we cannot grow without reaching out to the lost. And as I told you what my brother said, it touched my heart. And there are many people in your life, in my life right now, who need to be drawn to Yeshua. Because if not, they will spend eternity separated from him. And friends, that's not going to be good. So let us think of that one person that we're going to believe to come to faith in 2018. Because of us. Because of you. You, 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 because you invited, because you shared with them, because you brought them, and you're going to watch them grow, and you're going to be a part of them growing as a follower of Yeshua. And we're going to talk about other ways to serve here at Beth Emanuel. One of the points of our membership covenant about serving says, I will serve the ministry of my congregation by discovering my gifts and talents and by being equipped to serve by my rabbis and by developing a servant's heart. You see, to be honest, people often get hung up on the discovering their gifts and talents that they never end up serving. And a friend of mine many, many years ago made this observation. God uses those who show up. God uses the people who show up. I have been used by God in my life not because I've always been the most talented or qualified person, for a task in the kingdom, but because I was there and I had a heart to serve. God uses people who show up. So I want to encourage us that God wants to use you and he wants you to show up. Think about some ministries here at Beth Emanuel. You could be an usher. You can help serve at the Oneg on our PowerPoint, which Gabe is doing so wonderfully back there today, our soundboard. So Jim gets a break every once in a while. He's been there faithful for many, many years. We need some new people to be brought into that ministry. Our cleaning crews, etc. We want to develop a security committee, protocols we're working on. We have the medical aspect put together, but there's other things we need to do. Maybe you want to be part of that committee and to work on that. So The third part of your assignment is to make a one-year commitment, say one year, to a new ministry at Beth Emanuel. Okay? Now, I know many of you already serve in ministries, and and, and we are so grateful, you know, for what you do. And, uh, but I want to encourage you to make a one-year, say one-year, commitment to a new ministry at Beth Emanuel. And to help you do that, you saw a table covered when you came in? 
Well, when you go out, that table's going to be uncovered. And there's going to be sign-up sheets for different ministries that you can sign up. And we're going to have those sign-up sheets out for the next, you know, couple of weeks. Now, you may not even realize different ministries that we have that you can maybe be a part of. And you're going to make how many-year commitment, Dan? A one-year commitment to that new ministry. And at the end of the year, you're going to say, well, I think I want to continue, or maybe you want to try a new ministry, right? And uh, all those ministries on that table, you can be a part of, even if you're not an official member, except the children's and teens ministry. To work with children in the congregation, to work in the children with the children in the congregation, in any capacity, you have to be a member. It's part of our child protection policy. But anything else on that table, the ministries on that table, you can sign up for. So you're going to make a one year, say it with me. Okay, some of you in the back didn't say it. I'm waiting to see those mouths move. You're going to make a what? One year. Thank you. A one year commitment to a new ministry. All right? And as I said, we'll, you know, after the first of the year, we will get together with the ministry teams that you sign up for. So don't sign up for a ministry you're already part of because we already know you're part of that ministry. So you're going to sign up for a new ministry for one year. Friends, I just want to put it this way. My husband was talking to me this morning. He says, you know, the reality is a disciple serves. So whether you're part of Beth Emanuel or if you go to another congregation, you're listening to this again on the podcast, I want to tell you, you need to be serving in whatever congregation you're a part of. And if Beth Emanuel is your home congregation, then you need to serve here. A true disciple serves. Let's put up that graphic at the end. There's a picture somewhere. Gabe, do you see it? Yeah. So through love, serve one another. And that's what God calls us to do, to be servants. We have been loved on by God, and he, wants, he has freely given to us, and he wants us to freely give to others. Amen? So you'll have opportunity. Rabbi Michael's going to remove the, the, the cloth out there so you can see the sign-up sheets. Again, there's a lot on there that you may not have realized, so you may want to look at it. They'll be out for a couple of weeks, and uh, come the 1st of January, in that first month of January, we'll meet together with uh, each team and talk to those who are coming in new to these ministries. So let's stand to our feet. We want to be true Talmudim, and the two things we talked about today is a true disciple is generous, be generous in giving, not just your finances, but your time and talent, which goes to our second point, a true disciple serves. Look for opportunities to serve in your family, in your neighborhood, inviting others, and serving in the ministry here at Beth Emanuel. So before we close with ironic benediction, we like to give opportunity every week for people who have not yet connected to the Messiah to do so. Because, as I said earlier, that's one of the most important reasons we're here for, is that people would know who Yeshua is. And uh, it's no greater joy than seeing a person come to faith. So... Join me in this prayer. Dear Yeshua, thank you for loving me and bringing me here today. I want to know you, and I want to be born anew. 
So I say yes to you and help me to grow as your disciple. Amen. You pray that prayer for the first time or you have more questions about this personal relationship that I've talked about, talk to my husband or me afterwards there in the foyer. We'd like to encourage you because the, the, the best decision I ever made in my life was at six years old when I said yes to Yeshua. It forever, ever changed my life, and I don't regret a moment of it. And I know where I would have been because I have a gazillion cousins who, and, and who are all over the place who never, ever said yes as a child, and their lives are a mess. But because God touched my family and, and changed me, you know, it was, it was a good thing. So just to encourage you, stretch your hand out. I bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you his peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. Blessings upon you. Prayer this afternoon. No Hebrew until after the first of the year. Couples tonight at 7 o'clock. See everyone later. Shabbat Shalom. Yes, Junior Shabbat meeting right after service for my teachers.